0: All right, welcome back folks to another episode of and that was stupid. Welcome back to another episode.
1: Yeah, no, that (laughs) makes sense.
0: Let's let's just welcome back to another episode makes sense.
1: I think so. I mean, welcome back to our show. Like, welcome back to this, the newest episode.
0: Like, welcome back, Kata, that kind of thing. Yeah, I I don't know. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's roll with it. It's In Search of the Story. You got Chris Gravel and Olivia Volaris. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and we are going to be covering probably one of our more difficult topics to cover today. Um, we're going to talk about... This is how difficult it is to even to even get out what we're talking about. It's It's how traditional storytelling is in games now. Like, you know... the good guy is going to win. He's going to save the world. And most of the time he doesn't want to do it, but he ends up doing it anyways that we're going to get into the good guy always wins. And, you know, very rarely do you get to fall into that gray area. Um, What that means from a gamers perspective, like why we're okay with that same story over and over and that same character, the different archetypes that we're used to. And, Talk about some of the stuff that we have seen that's starting to show, you know, it's been going on for a long time that you've had some gray area characters, but we're going to all that. So I don't know exactly what the show is about. Originally it was a show about just why is the good guy always the good guy that always lives. But then we realized that there's a lot more to it. So we're going to search for the story as the podcast is called. And we're going to figure that out. And before I shut my mouth for a minute, I got no notes this week. So the (laughs) wrenches, the wrenches can't derail on purpose. This is just going to be a whole mess and it's going to be awesome. And this should be a fantastic podcast because Olivia has done her research. I haven't looked up a thing. So I'm going straight off memory. Um, And, and what I remember from stories growing up, up until, you know, stuff I was playing just the other day. So with that, where are we starting, Olivia? Because I, <laughs> uh, I have no idea where to start. Okay. I could start anywhere.
1: Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll as as I do, I, I have my notes and I can just go over. I, I have a good place to start. So when Chris and I were kind of parsing out this idea, like he said, it, it started with. I think we were talking about Grand Theft Auto, actually.
0: Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, and. That's what we do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and um, we were talking about how the newest Grand Theft Auto, because there were three different protagonists, gave much more of an array of not only characters, but it also showed sort of an evolution of these characters, which then led us to talk about, like, well, like, can you think of that many games where the character is like actually really complex and you don't know if they're the good guy or the bad guy and and then that was where the whole like well what games show us that gray area so in my research i had to backtrack a little bit and because there's actually not very much written or talked about uh in this subject and so i've literally all my research was just going over lists of best writing in video games, best characters in video games, most compelling stories in video games. And, and so that kind of led me to writing down these main established archetypes that are often portrayed in games. And, um, we can just start there, I guess. Um,
0: yeah, let's let's hit a few of them and discuss those, and hit some more because I, I know the list is a long one, but let's let's get a few of them out and then talk about those games and and spiral out of control, and then and then the other archetypes. We can, can bring us back to more ideas if 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 it fits, I guess.
1: Okay, so the first one that we already kind of talked about a little okay. bit earlier was the the man out for revenge. So, do do can you do you have a character that you have in mind?
0: Uh, um, I'm trying to think of who's out for revenge. I mean, that's a common theme, but it's not. I don't. I can't think of a whole lot in video games where it's common. Like I think of a hundred movies that you know it's out for revenge, but in games it's it's normally a rescue. It's not revenge and. I mean, I guess Red Dead was kind of it. Kind of went down that arc, but maybe not to the extent of of like The Revenant or something like that. You mm, know. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. so I can't. I can't cool. actually think of some like like a story that's just about revenge off the top of my head.
1: Well, I I uh, I have not played Metal Gear Solid, but. Uh, the boss, whatever his real name is. I don't know his his real name, but that was one that was mentioned many, many times. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Grand Theft Auto 4, uh, Nico, I believe, was also kind of out for revenge. Um,
0: Okay, yeah, I can see that. Metal Gear, I, who knows what the story of Metal Gear is? And, you know, that that's a whole other podcast, is just trying to understand what the story of that whole game is. So I didn't, I mean, I, I remember moments from the series, but there's been certain games that I didn't play in. It, so I'm not a, I love Metal Gear. I just haven't played him as, as, or understood the story, I should say. Uh
1: huh.
0: Um, well, as much as others.
1: Another one that was uh, mentioned a lot was God of War. Um,
0: yeah, God of War is a really good... I I don't know... I mean, that <laughs> the stuff just came out for it today. I don't know why they didn't click. Um, yeah, that's a straight-up revenge story.
1: Yeah, and uh, Borderlands 2 oh, and another Mass Effect. Yeah, this was a long list. Dishonored, boom. <laughs> um,
0: did, when did Borderlands deal with revenge? Uh, that the was... one that I'm
1: looking at right now is Borderlands 2.
0: Borderlands 2... Yeah, I guess so a little bit. Borderlands 1 was about finding the vault, and then Borderlands 2, you realize you got screwed over and they were pissed off at Handsome Jack. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, and Red Dead Redemption, like you said. Okay, maybe that wasn't yeah. a good a good one to start with. This is why you need your notes. No,
0: this is, this is good because I am... Uh, some of these stories, I never really... They're actually told in a way that I don't feel like it's a revenge story as much as the revenge is just part of the story so not not the driving factor behind the characters so so the revenge stuff has been done pretty well as far as i'm concerned uh, across the board i mean it's i've never felt like i was a character that was just out to get back at somebody um outside of god of war and that you can't play god of war without being angry at all the bad guys um and i would argue that that that's probably the biggest revenge story because you know you're taking down gods and stuff in that, which is awesome. So, um, okay. So, so what's the Because I know there's an archetype that's gonna just trigger everybody in the world, regardless of whether or not they play games. That's coming up.
1: Uh, okay, there's the commoner who is actually the last royal or magical being in their story, like magical hero, legend, myth.
0: Yeah, and that's. That's every JRPG, just about. Um, I mean, outside of a few, and we mentioned Lost Odyssey in the past, which it's not so much in that one, but in general, most JRPGs, you're some guy or some girl or whatever who who's not, you know, you don't want to do it. You're like, why am I being dragged over here to help this person? And then all of a sudden over the course of about an hour of random dialogue with some people you've never met before, you're best friends and you're going out to save the world, and it's what you do. And um, I think it's a very tired storyline. I think it's been... I think that type of character and that type of... uh, That way of getting you into the game is way overdone. Like I want the character who's like, Who's sitting there and he's farming and he's like, man, I wish I could be some big hero. And then all of a sudden he gets a chance. He's like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) You know, but it's it's always like, oh, man, I have to go out and save the world because I have all these super legendary powers. This sucks.
1: I think that's very specific to JRPGs because that's not what I was thinking of when it comes to the commoner. It's...
0: Yeah, it's a very JRPG thing. And and it's... I can I can list off a ton of them that you get that kind of downtrodden hero feeling until you get into the story, then he's excited. And then finally he's like, well, it's something I have to do. You know, it's it's never like, yeah, I'm the legendary dude. I'm going to tear people up. This is great. You don't get that kind of thing in JRPGs. Um, what, what were you thinking?
1: Uh oh gosh commoner who is actually the last I I know more of this archetype from I think film and television right I, I may, you know going through my established archetypes now they don't seem that great after I put them all together because I feel like when the games that I've listed for some of these subcategories or for these archetypes, I'm just kind of like, well, I wasn't really into that game, or oh, I didn't really play that. Um, here's an easy one: the super wonderful vanilla prince, king, or warrior.
0: Right, and Final Fantasy 15, and and Final Fantasy 15 also falls into the last one where Noctis is like, I have to go do this stuff. Fine, I got to get married. Fine. <laughs> oh, this beautiful princess, I have to go marry her, who I've been friends with my whole life, fine. And then, you know, it grows from there. And it's, you know, and then emotion comes in later, but it's it's that same thing. It's that start that it's like, how am I supposed to be interested whenever the character doesn't want to do this? Why should I want to do this? The
1: character doesn't even want to
0: do it. Yeah, and like, and I know we're going to mention The Witcher and talk about The Witcher later on because it is one of those gray area games. But I mean, from the start, he's... He's not messing around. He's very clear. <clears throat> Witcher 3, what he's about from from the very beginning. He's about hanging out with his woman. He's about hanging out with the kid. And he's about the fights and getting ready to go. And then he gets dragged into it and he doesn't complain. He's just like, at worst, he's like, oh shit, here we go again. And he's ready to go. you know. And he gets out there and he doesn't question it. He doesn't argue about it. He doesn't whine about it. He's just like, tell me what I need to know. I just want to get this over with quickly. And you know he he has an actual and i wonder if he, witcher 3 is kind of a revenge story without to an extent because it's you know the the his quote unquote daughter i know she's not his daughter but he treats her as such and she gets taken away and now he's like oh i'm going to go jack these dudes up cuz he just took her um,
1: i think that's but, more of a search and rescue
0: yeah it, it it's like a like Mario, Search and Rescue, but there's more anger in Geralt, and it's not to the God of War level of, like, you killed my family.
1: um,
0: But, yeah.
1: Well, not to get too much into The Witcher right off the bat, but...
0: to Yeah, because that's going to be a deep dive. To
1: backtrack a little bit, when I was thinking a little more about the super wonderful vanilla hero, um, and I, I hate myself for... Immediately thinking this, but I kind of thought of Nathan Drake. Like he's just yeah. like boyishly charming, and things always work out for him. Like yeah, there's he, a certain he's
0: like Ferris Bueller.
1: Oh, ah, uh, sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it always worked out for Ferris. It always worked out for Nathan.
1: Yeah, he. There's certainly ups and downs in his story, <laughs> and not just his, but like the story that he is functioning in as a whole. Right. Uh, But he's always just happy, go lucky, making jokes, like just making it work. And then he always, he always finds the treasure and he got the girl and now he's married and has a kid. So, so I think that's a more of a contemporary example of, and I don't mean to, for that to sound negative because I love Nathan Drake and I love Uncharted so, so much, but but yeah, he's he's a perfect example of like the like like the Tom Cruise of oh oh I hate myself for saying Ferris that Ferris Bueller of <laughs> no I, God. I
0: I feel better with Ferris Bueller being the example but but either way we we know who the I guess the big thing with that is what Nathan Drake brings to the table is. Even though you know he's gonna always survive because that's who Nathan Drake is, and and that's the story you signed up for, he's a he's a character that's so re- well written that it's enjoyable. Like you, you, it, it doesn't feel like other games where you're kind of taken back from the story because it's just like ah, oh, that's such a boring character. It's there's a lot of personality to Nathan Drake, so even though he is that character that it doesn't matter how dire the situation is. He's still real happy-go-lucky. It fits because they've really made him feel like a real person or a real character. So I I think he's one of the exceptions um, to to some of the other games that are out there that, that attempt those type of things that don't pull him off.
1: Yeah, they definitely found a balance between him being kind of like a normal dude who's just having a grand old time but also like a treasure hunter, uh, I'd agree with that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So so what do we have? Because I'm trying. I was trying to think if there's anything that would compare to that. And you know, you have Tomb Raider, and you could say the same thing on that. Well, she's
1: um, her. So th- here's a archetype that we can discuss. Uh, there's the like tough, badass woman who doesn't play by the rules.
0: Right, and that's every main female character for the most part. I can't think of many who aren't like the, aren't in the, the Lara Croft vein of, you know, like uh, I'm going to, you know, beat anybody with a hammer, you know, that, that type of like just tough chick that can just go after him. And,
1: uh, well, I I think that's
0: outside of like story games.
1: Yeah. I think that's because when, uh, there's going to be a lead female protagonist, and the woman is carrying the the game. Um, you know, yeah, I feel like you have to get creative because some people might not want to pick it up if the if a woman is the main character.
0: Well, yeah, actually, you know that that reminds me that there are two. One of them we talked about last week, which was Alien, where the main character is a A female who doesn't fall on that archetype she's not running around and you know punching aliens in the face or anything she's she's using intelligence and stealth and things like that to get away and they did that also with I want to say it was a an iOS game it was um Republic I think is what it was and it was very much a stealth based game where there wasn't a whole lot of combat or anything so, I don't know that um, one. Yeah, that was... It was a little while ago that it came out, a couple years ago. Um, and I think they released it for consoles. Because so, that one, I, I remember, I think it was originally iOS, and now it's on PlayStation 4 and all kinds of stuff. But that one's much more stealth-based, and she breaks that mold also. Oh. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I I don't know where I'm going with all that. Except for I can think of a few games where they where the the female the main female doesn't have to be some badass like Lara who can dual wield uh, pistols and take down T Rexes while she's doing backflips. You know, it's there. There's plenty of or not plenty, but there's a few female characters that are much more in the vein of using stealth and. You know, not being the big run and gun tough guy type of character. And there's no, there's no, I don't think there's anything wrong with having females who are like that as well. Um, But yeah, there's, there's definitely a few of them out there that, that are more action oriented, but they're, they're a little bit slower paced, stealth type stuff like Alien and Republic. So,
1: Uh, I mean, I think those ladies are still badass. They're just,
0: yeah, definitely. Like
1: you said, they're not. Well, I guess Ripley had a gun. You just didn't <laughs> didn't do much.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. And so, see, so yeah, I mean that the the big difference in you know if if you put big muscly, crazy um, Call of Duty guy, you know, not the powered armor ones, but I guess not Call of Duty. It's Call of Duty tries to keep it somewhat within realism but like like the doom guy you you know you put him up against a female character there's off uh, there's going to be a difference big doom guy is supposed to be big doom guy that can take a hundred bullets to the to the chest and keep on walking and
1: that's another archetype the big manly man marine
0: Right, and you don't get a female that's like that in general because generally the female character in the game is the more agile, the more cunning, and I don't know what that says about about how we view men and women. But generally, she's the smarter one that figures out stuff, and the guy's the one that takes the beating. And you know, especially in games where you have two, where you have the both of them working together. So, um, I think playing off of their strengths is is cool whenever they do it right, but. Sometimes it goes a little bit too, uh, too stereotypical. I would say, I guess is the the right way to say that.
1: I think Uncharted might uh, have had a nice play on on that archetype uh, with Nadine because um, she right. ha- had a military background and
0: she yeah, she was, was like
1: tough as nails too. So. They might have
0: yeah she actually made Nathan seem like the weaker of the two by a significant amount mm-hmm. um, and Nathan felt more like the the guy who was cunning and Nadine was the brute force character in that one so that yeah that's a good point they had a it was, it was a good switch of what you traditionally get yeah um, there was a I'm trying to think of what this other game was That's probably why I'm rambling a little bit um, it's it was it was like a Half Monkey Guy trying to get this girl through a game that was... uh, Beyond
1: Good and Evil?
0: No. um, Although, she was an awesome character, and that's a great game. I'm very much looking forward to the re-release. Half Monkey Guy game with girl? (laughs) Let's see if that gets... Yes, Enslaved. Odyssey to the West. There we go. That's awesome that it picked it up on that. And... In that one, you know, you had the big tough dude that did all the like parkour type stuff. I didn't play it a whole lot. I played it just a little bit. It wasn't it wasn't fantastic, but it was based off of a, a book. Yeah, it was based off Journey to the West and it was this guy helping this girl get to wherever she needed to be and you know, she was the cunning quake one it was done by ninja theory who did heavenly sword who did one of the best female characters of all time if they would have continued that um but yeah that was a is a very very cool game where they kind of show the what i think is a fair balance between if if you want to do a a male female character side by side and give them unique abilities and Enslave did it well it just wasn't a great game um so that, you know, that kind of falls into the, not so much the super tough guy and the super agile girl, but the, a little bit closer to each other, kind of how Nadine and Nathan were. Mm-hmm. So it's, I know that's off top, that that went off of what we were talking about, but that's, it just, it triggered that whenever you mentioned Nadine and Nathan.
1: Well, can you think of, uh, I guess, to segue into like a different thing that we wanted to talk about? Uh, can you think of any characters or games that specifically really did shake up these archetypes or presented something completely new?
0: I mean, Tomb Raider obviously did, because before that, the only other badass character that was female that you had was the Metroid series with Samus. Um, And people didn't even know you were a female in that one. I can't think of another game where... You were a badass female before the Tomb Raider series came out. Um, and there there haven't been... I can't think of many games that kind of shake the macho Mel out of it. I I think that Rockstar or Bioware do well with it. Um, you know, like Dragon Age, whenever you're playing a male character, you can be as... Uh, passive as uh, you know, you, you don't have to be the big macho guy up in the front and You know whenever I played a lot the last time I played Dragon Age I my my fighters and tanks were The women and my healers and stuff were the men and so you know, they they do really good at Gender does not speak about what you're gonna be and you don't have to be the badass big tough guy in the front um, I
1: think something we've kind of neglected to talk about thus far is indie games. Like, indie games are a prime example of presenting characters that are outside the norm.
0: Yeah, indie games get very, very far outside of the norm. And I have, unfortunately, not spent enough time with indie games to to speak a lot of them. Like Siberia, and then what's the, the one now that... Um, the big story one that uh, just hit with the it's like a white box I think it's Square Enix I think we wrote something the story something story I th- I think we wrote about it on gaming dot com recently there's a plug um,
1: well uh, I didn't play all the, the ones that I'm kind of thinking of um, I didn't play all the way through Braid but I feel like everyone is sort of familiar oh. with Braid you know
0: Braid was brilliant.
1: Yeah. And that, I guess that male character could, you, one could argue that he was sort of a typical archetype, but the fashion in which they presented the story was what was so new and different.
0: Yeah. And and the game itself was just, I, I don't know. I mean, they just, they were so far out there with with the ideas of, you know, controlling time and things like that, and it was just brilliantly done. And uh, he was—he didn't feel as much like your traditional Mel character as much as he—he he felt more like a Mario character. Like he was kind of sciencey, and um, you know, he wore very period-appropriate clothing. He was in a suit for the game and stuff like that. You know, it, it was—it was very much. It, the character very much reflected what the game required which was a lot of thinking outside of the box and so i think they handled that extremely well um yeah
1: another one uh that i uh recently rediscovered uh was firewatch did you are you familiar with firewatch chris
0: yeah and i still have not played it uh,
1: well i think that was a really good example of henry being the main character like he because you are given such a wide range of choices for his, like, responses and dialogue, and on top of that, the way they start out the entire game where you kind of play through his life and you get to choose uh, these, I guess, major life decisions for him, uh, it gives you more of an in-depth look into this person's Uh, influence like why why they it gives you a better idea of why you are given the choices in the present when you're actually playing the game and it all it just really makes you think about the motivations behind his actions and the motivations behind your own choices Uh, even though he was an outdoorsman uh, he he still was vulnerable at times and And that was why I wanted to bring up Firewatch because it was all about him being alone and the only connection you have to another person is via this walkie talkie. And uh, it was kind of just all about him learning to live with the decisions he made in his past and then also trying to solve a mystery in the present. I thought it was absolutely beautiful the way they did the story.
0: I need to play it at some point. I've started the council, and it's uh, so far it's stellar. It's it's a very cool uh, way. It, it's a very cool take on the um, Telltale style of games like Back to the Future and um, Tales from the Borderlands, and you know, you know all the different Telltale games where uh, the Walking Dead series. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's like a role playing game mixed with the storytelling element and, you know, right off the bat you pick, are you going to be a diplomat, an occultist or a detective? And from there you have different abilities whenever you are speaking to people like you're better at, like, like if you're a diplomat, you're better at getting people to to do or agree with what you're saying based just off of your ability to be very diplomatic. Whereas if you go with an occultist, people are a little bit more wary of who you are, but you see into some of the things that are going on because it's, it's kind of the secret society thing. So the the story games are where you really see, and, and I would say that's kind of, that falls into the indie world to an extent, or that kind of middle ground that, that we talked about in the AAA versus Indies gaming historia. And it's, it, it gets away from being Doom guy or guy with gun that shoots up bad guys or whatever, you know, and it, it gets more into, it, it takes role-playing games and puts them on their head. You don't have to fight to actually tell a good story. Um, which I think may be part of the whole problem of why why you always have these issues is because there's not many games where you're not fighting. Um, Like, you're always killing the other guys because they... Generally, they're bad guys, but sometimes they just don't agree with you, and so you kill them because they're the other team.
1: a lot of Um, indies don't feature fighting, so I
0: yeah and that's that's the weird thing is or I guess not the weird thing that's where I guess you kind of have to turn to get away from this but mainstream still stays with the kill the guy who thinks differently than you idea
1: yeah I, I, I'm trying to think if I I can you think of a AAA game that isn't based oh portal portal
0: Yeah. Portal was, was a, uh, that was straight up puzzles, but let's see triple A games where you're not fighting. Um, I mean like even Mario, you're still killing the bad guys. Um, Kirby, you're straight up cannibalizing people, um, you know, eat them and then sit on them. So you get their powers. Um, well, yeah, I mean, outside of like racing games like Mario Kart, but even Mario Kart has some fighting in it. Um, you know, racing games, there's not fighting, but uh, for, for more of a story based game, I mean,
1: no, I, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if there's many big budget games out there that don't have, have combat, combat slash yeah, fighting. That, Cause there's a lot of yeah, like, it's, survival it's of it, simulators, like the forest. Oh, that, all that had combat in it too. Uh,
0: It seems like they all do in some way. Um,
1: Huh. Well, that's a really interesting development that we've come upon.
0: Yeah, I can't... I I would love a game that, that you could go through without ever starting a fight. And still finish it. I mean... Like, if you just decided not to fight.
1: The first tree doesn't have any
0: combat. No. No, it does not. Um... But, like, I mean, in The Witcher, how cool would it be if you could have just gone through that without ever ha- – like, how you talked about how you walk through town and you don't run into people because that's how you play it. Like, that would have been awesome in a game like that or or Dragon Age or something where you could go through the game without ever actually picking a fight and still complete your goal. I mean, You
1: can do that in Assassin's Creed Origins. They just uh, release Discovery Mode or, or whatever that – that mode is called where it's purely yeah, about getting to, get to the see the environment, which is cool. Cause I haven't given a sh- given it a shot yet, but, um, I know a lot of people are really into ancient Egypt. I am myself. I thought I was going to be an Egyptologist when I was a kid. Um, oh. so being able to run around in that setting has been like just so much fun for me. And I hear discovery mode is, is awesome. Like it's like a, interactive virtual history lesson.
0: Yeah, but you don't get the story from it that way, do you? Or is Um, that just an exploration thing? I
1: think it's just exploration and then, like, information about the city you're in and how the town worked and, and all that.
0: Okay, so... Obviously, we can't think of a mainstream game where outside of like sports games like FIFA or fishing games, which I guess fishing games, you could even say you're fighting a little bit, but um, racing games, you know, any of those sports games, if you can think of something that's a mainstream game where you didn't have to fight your way through. And and I'm not talking mainstream, like some of the, like uh, Professor Layton, which I would say that got kind of mainstream. And who was the lawyer? Um, the Lawyer Games, uh, Ace Phoenix. Like those games, those aren't the AAA we're talking about. We're talking like the big, big releases. If you guys can think of one, tweet it to us or email us at contact at gamingastoria.com and let us know what we missed and we'll bring it up and we'll, we'll we'll even do a shout out for your name that you came up with the idea. But try to come up with it. Without research first and see because that's what we're doing and and I can't think of a game where combat is not the central focus and and I get that I mean, journey
1: journey but that's not I guess I guess that's not that that might be a gray area game in, in the sense of it's not A but it's not tiny indie Fez yeah kind of Minecraft
0: yeah Minecraft I mean but those kind of started off as indie and then became huge They you know they were they were kind of smaller, but even in Minecraft, you're fighting unless you choose the the just free build mode or whatever. Um, you know, if you have skeletons and stuff like that coming after you. So, um, Firewatch
1: is really the only one that I can think of that there's like no. I mean, you you get hit, but you you go down, you go down, and that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm still not sure that that's a triple A though. I mean, I, I mean that's. It's It definitely took off, and it was a very popular game. Yeah,
1: I don't think I can, except for Portal. I can't really think of one without combat.
0: Yeah, I can't either. That I figured without, I never thought about it, but I figured there had to be some games out there where combat was not the central focus for some big AAA game. But, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. There's is. You're fighting in some way. There's combat in there, and, and I guess that's, I mean, it's a big risk to go out of out of what's worked, and people like to to fight and kill stuff. So, the Sims, the Sims. Like, oh, The Sims. Yeah, <laughs> I was to say the same time you did. Yeah, The Sims. You don't really have to fight. Um, you can.
1: I love The Sims. Yeah. I used to play The Sims yeah. all
0: the time. But <sighs> yeah, it's weird. Actually, back in the day, there were a lot more games like that. Like you had um, Theme Hospital and Theme Park and those were big games back then um but you don't see games like that anymore like uh you don't see a triple a game that is a a theme type game or a sims type game outside of the sims where it's all about the story and the adventure you know there's trying to think of any adventuring games and, and i can't think of anything there either where it's just straight up the The environment is your enemy, and there's not many games like that either. There's the Witness. Yeah, that was uh, what's his name? Um, yeah, I I know what it is, and and it's kind of a puzzle maze mystery type thing.
1: Yeah, that that I don't think that had combat in it.
0: No, oh. and I think that still falls under indie because it's it's just uh, it was a Jonathan Jonathan Blow that did that or is it uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so Abzu,
1: oh, Abzu was so good. Oh, my God,
0: I don't know if I played Abzu. All right, so we spent enough time on trying to think of like a big big title from a big publisher that there's plenty of of like middle of the road like double A or A games that aren't. That have gone beyond just being your traditional indie I game. found one. Oh, okay. Go no
1: Man's it. Sky.
0: No, there's combat. You get attacked. What? By, you? uh Yeah, you you get attacked by like these roving... Oh, the
1: sentinels? That doesn't uh, count. Yeah. Uh,
0: you're, still, you're still having to fight. Like as you explore, you can't just go on to a place and just explore without having to worry about it. Oh. You still get attacked. They
1: just attack you, you if is... you destroy the environment too much.
0: Yeah, and and that's probably the closest that I can think of as well. But there's still combat in there. I was trying, I was trying to find that game where it's you versus the environment, the end. Like there's not people against you; it's you trying to get through an environment. Um, and no, just big games. I think it's all about you, you know making when sure When you say combat. you
1: versus the environment, do you mean you are fighting the environment?
0: No, like you're trying to survive the wilderness, and and like a big like if you took out all the the gunplay and all that stuff from Tomb Raider, and put and if you ever played the survival mode that they released
1: in Tomb Raider,
0: yeah, no, the so there's so they released a, a DLC patch after it had been out for a little while, where you still had to fight and stuff, but the biggest issue was surviving the cold. You had to get you know whenever it was getting dark you had to be near the fire you know and you had to kill stuff to get food um, but that's
1: still combat to... technically right
0: yeah it is so it would it would be cool to get like a, a game where you'd have to hunt animals to feed yourself i kind of get that like I, I guess that would still fall under combat but you could kind of excuse that because it's more about survival but there's not a there's not a triple a game where you don't also have bad guys coming at you that I can think of. So, all right. We spent a lot of time on that. I can't think of, I can't think of another one. Um, I, I think no man's sky is probably the closest that we came to it. Yeah. And that was another one that started off as indie and then moved up into, into more triple a when Sony picked them up. So, um, If you don't want to fight stuff and you want a story thing, I guess the message here is look at indies for the most part. And I bet as soon as we're done, I'm going to be like, oh, shit, there's 15 different games I just thought of that you don't fight in. But I don't foresee that happening. Um, I just can't think of of anything that you're not fighting.
1: Well, let's go back to talking about the characters. Um, Because, like you said, we... Obviously, can't yeah, think way too of, long on we that. can't think of anymore. <laughs> um, so, who was the character that you were thinking of when you first brought up this idea? I believe you were talking about Michael DeSanta from Grand Theft Auto
0: V. Okay, yeah. So, so, so here's a story. I, I get shit all the time for telling this story, but I played... Grand Theft Auto up to the torture scene and I stopped at that point Um, it was too much for me that I was forced to do it I didn't have a choice Um, and it wasn't I'm not making a political statement or anything here I just it, it was so uncomfortable for me that I did not want to continue anymore and I didn't want to have to play Trevor but I really really liked Michael's character because he was this Flawed character that there's something more to him and You know, you you see the 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 stuff that he's done in the past and you know, he's made some shitty choices but at the same point he's He's trying to deal with it and you see the the ramifications that it has on him mentally as far as his mental wellness I mean, he has all kinds of Issues, He you know One of the first things is him talking to his, his his uh, psychiatrist and it, I really, really liked that character in the same way that I liked um, Red Dead Revolver, that I liked, uh, you know, Guy from that. Um, Red
1: Dead what?
0: Red Dead, Revol- Red Dead Redemption. Um, why did I just go blank on his name? Wait, you
1: didn't right? like playing as Trevor?
0: No, I did. Uh, no, I didn't like Trevor at all. Well, <laughs> um, That's
1: how... Okay, so here's an interesting anecdote or note Uh, when I played Grand Theft Auto and I don't know if this is just me or or what uh, Trevor was actually my favorite character and when the other men that I've talked to in playing Grand Theft Auto everyone has hated Trevor so much and he was my favorite character
0: that's bizarre I I liked him until the torture scene. And, and I do like that in that torture scene, he wasn't necessarily all in on it. You know, he wasn't like, woohoo, I get to torture somebody. But the fact that I was forced to do it, I get that they, the, the rock star was probably trying to make a point. And I get that. But at that point, it just, I didn't want to continue the game after that because I hated Trevor so much. That I didn't want to deal with him again. Um,
1: wow, that's really, huh? That's a, and you stepped away. You like didn't ever go back and finish it.
0: I I traded in the game right after that scene. Huh? And I never, I never t- Well, I didn't touch it again until probably a year later, once Grand Theft Auto Online was coming on and starting to get bigger, and then I played that some, but I just. At that point, like I was so invested in Michael and uh, Franklin. I was like, I really want to see what happens with them. But Trevor was so grating on me that after that scene, I was like, I can't do like, I don't, this is not fun. I'm not, you know, I'm playing a game to escape and I know a Grand Theft Auto game is going to have some violence and some pretty hard. Well, some, it's going to have a lot of violence and some pretty terrible things that you do but it was something about I don't know if it was a particular point in my life that that happened that it hit me so hard or what but that scene where you had to torture some guy it just it hit me to the point to where I was just like I'm done I turned it off as soon as the scene finished I was like I can't I can't play Trevor like I can't deal with this this is stupid and you know again I get that that's what they were going for probably is to get that kind of reaction but for me I couldn't do it again I, I couldn't continue the game and uh, I don't know, that's that's where it stopped it for me. And I keep on saying I'm going to go back and play it because I do want to get the full story. But I know I'm going to have to go to that scene again. And I don't know if I'm going to have that same violent reaction that I did the first time to it. And I know that makes me sound like I'm a big pacifist and everything, which I kind of am. But in games, I'm generally fine. Like, they don't affect me at all, no matter what I do in the game. Um, Like, the uh, whatever the Call of Duty was where it opens up with you just shooting random people in an airport. Didn't phase me. Like I, I knew in that game I was killing a whole bunch of innocent people. Didn't bother me one bit, but then I did this torture thing with Trevor and, and that that's partly a, you know, a hand clap to, to Rockstar for getting me that invested in the characters that it just grated on me so much that I couldn't do it anymore. Um, but it, that's that's where it ended for me, is I Wait, couldn't play it after You
1: that. you were so sick of the character, It was, that was, like, the breaking point? That was, like, the straw on the camel's back? Or it was because of that scene that you were like, I've... It was I've-
0: just that scene. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed everything else. I had no problems with all the other crazy stuff that I was doing in the game before that. That scene it finished it for me. I couldn't go on after that scene. Huh. Yeah, it's, and I don't know why I had such a violent reaction. I've never been tortured. I've never tortured anybody. I've never been around it. You know, I, like, I have no personal connection to it, but for some reason, that scene, and it, it may just be because it felt, you know, you were forced to do it and it felt, it felt pretty real. And I, I think the idea of being, and, and Trevor was somewhat forced to do it as well. So you were in his shoes doing it. It was, it was very, very difficult for me to continue afterwards. It just kind of, it, it took me away from the game and I couldn't play the same way. I, I tried, I was like, I'll just play Michael and Franklin, but that wasn't an option. I had to play Trevor and and I hated it.
1: You know, so. the reason I am asking so many questions about this is because uh, in my uh, writing when I was in school, uh, I actually studied Grand Theft Auto 5 for a whole semester like it was like the Mom. the artifact that i like chose to focus my semester on and so one of my biggest projects was discussing that scene the torture scene in in grand theft auto and how like you you are not able to progress in the story unless you do it and right. so the maybe that helped me whenever i played through it the first time because i was like I was aware of it. I was sort of prepared for it because I like done a little bit of research on it. And I guess I was looking at it more through like a scholarly lens. So I wasn't, and me personally, like I don't get invested in the characters in grand theft auto at all. Cause I just can't identify with any of them. And I no. like loved Trevor so much because he was just so fucking insane. And I love like when you would like, switch over to him and he'd just be Naked, like <laughs> at some yeah, random awesome location. Character. I just, I just thought he was hilarious, and on top of that, I love the guy who did his voice. But yeah. I really like that actor too, um, Stephen Og. <laughs> Is that right? Uh, Og. Uh, where? What was I? What was I talking about before this? Uh, the. <laughs> oh yeah, so I like the, the yeah. I like wrote a ton of a ton of stuff about. The dynamic and, and forcing of your hand. and You might think like, oh, I, I just get to... Uh, <laughs> I'll do it once. I'll only use one tool or whatever, and then I'm done. And I'm out of there. It's like, nope, you have to use all of the tools at your disposal, I'm pretty sure, in order yeah. to finish the scene. Uh,
0: and I was just like, for a game that's all about choice... They're giving me and that may have been part of it is I was so blindsided by it because I'm so used to be given to to having the choice of whether or not I'm going to do something in Grand Theft Auto games that I didn't get the choice at that point. It's like, hey, you're going to torture this guy and you don't have any options. You're going to and it's going to be bad. And I don't know why it hit me so hard, man. But I mean, as soon as, as soon as it happened, I was like, I'm done. I can't. I can't play this. I, this character is, and and I don't know if it's because I didn't like Trevor after that, or if I didn't like having to step back into the shoes and get that feeling again of like, I know Trevor's completely fucked in the head, but he obviously, he wasn't okay with what he was doing. He just kind of accepted it. Um, and I couldn't go through with it at that point. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that I that, that I switched to Red Dead. I went back and played Red Dead Redemption at that point because I still wanted to play something like that. And in Red Dead, you, you wanted you know, the super
1: wonderful vanilla hero.
0: <laughs> maybe I'm just and, messing and with you. Really, I know. I know no, but up. but that there may be something to that. Like I, I wanted Michael's story to become like go from this jacked up guy to this redeemed guy who you know, made everything right. And I still haven't finished Grand Theft Auto five. I I could probably go read a synopsis or or have somebody else who played it. Tell me the story of, of how it plays out. But I um, I think
1: we might have just accidentally kind of hit the nail on the head of, of like, of this story we're searching and we like sort of found an answer. The reason there might not be very many gray area characters is because people don't want to play as the gray area character. Like you just gave the perfect example. You were yeah. presented with a situation where a character who is like, question his morals are certainly questionable. And then you're put, your your hand is forced. You're put in a situation where in, if you want to complete the game, you have to complete this task. And in this case, it was torturing someone. And right there you're given you're given what we've just been discussing. This is not a super wonderful vanilla prince. This isn't a commoner who is the last actual hero. It's just a fucked up person that knows how to shoot people really well and will do anything to... I, I personally think Trevor would like really play up how how messed up he was, and so he would kind of just yeah. go along with it when people would provoke him but to back to my point you were given that chance and you said no I don't want that I play games for an escape so I think we just answered our own question
0: yeah I think we did and that brings up another question though is and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna put a a little pre-statement here first. I have no problem with violence in video games. I have no problem with the torture scene in it. it. You play what you're comfortable with playing and you go forward with it from there. Same thing with kids. If you're okay with your kids playing fighting games and shooting games, th- there's not a problem with it. There's there's books out there that, that have studied it at length. I have no problem with violence in video games. With that said, why am I okay running around killing hundreds of thousands of people in games, you know, just random people who, in many games, are just doing their job, Um, you know, by just guarding a building. And I happen to need to get into the building because I need a healing kit or whatever, so I kill 15 guys. But I get to this one torture scene where, I don't remember, you don't even kill the guy, do you? you? You just
1: drop him off at the airport at the end.
0: Yeah, so... I didn't even kill the guy, but the torture hit me that much harder. Is it because we were just used to random uh, bad guy that's out there, and we'll shoot him up all we want, but whenever it gets too personal, then that's where it hits us. And it's it's weird that I was okay with that airport scene where you're killing a whole bunch of people in an airport.
1: Yeah, I would not have played that game. That sounds awful.
0: It, it, it sounds awful, and it got a ton of talk on the news about how terrible it was, but it... But in that situation, you were a first-person shooter and you were just shooting computer-controlled characters. So it didn't feel different from playing playing on D-Day in World War II or anything like that, you know? And,
1: but you said there, like, I'm familiar with the scene that you're talking about and yeah. I, I would not have picked that game up. Like, because first, I, first off, I don't really like first-person shooters. They're boring for me. Right. But the, it was like a whole group of people. And they they were just oh yeah I it that see that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me at all.
0: And see that's what's so weird is like why was I like like I wasn't as okay with that as I am running through a normal war game and just killing the other team, but it didn't bother me to the same level that this torture scene in Grand Theft Auto bothered me. Like maybe it's just because it was so much more personal and you got reactions from the person as opposed to ah dead
1: yeah you know maybe, maybe
0: maybe that's what it was or the storytelling and it could have just been that Rockstar told told a really really good story up to that point to where Trevor felt like you know not a character that you would see every day, but it felt like a fleshed out character and you actually saw in him how hesitant he was to do it and you were feeling the same thing. And so whenever you're forced to do it, every time, and like I said before, every time that I played Trevor again, I went back to that feeling that I was forced to do this. But whenever I didn't play Trevor, I was okay. So I don't know. It was uh, It's interesting that we're okay with just running and gunning and shooting random guards. But whenever we get into something that we're not even killing somebody and we're actually helping them out at the end that's that's where my stomach just turned over and I couldn't play anymore. And I I, I don't I, I get, and I, I wanna play great characters, but looking back at it Generally I choose the nice guy options in games. I very rarely go the bad guy option whenever you have, you know, play the the nice guy, the average guy or the dick. I generally go with the the nice guy as opposed to the dick in, in choice based games. So maybe Maybe that is the thing. Maybe we want those gray characters, those those options to go gray, but we don't want to be forced to take them.
1: Yeah, I think that's a nice thought. A lot of people play video games for an escape. And for some people that escape means they can kill all these people without any consequences. That's fine. That's what you're, that's the experience you're looking for. Like more power to you. You do that. But then people who get, who are willing and wanting to get invested in characters I feel like there is a group of people that, like you said, choose to be the hero, choose to be the good guy, presented with a choice to do something questionable, you don't do it. You take the, like, morally right option. And that's fine. That's awesome. Like, that's what you want to do during your experience. And then I I have to believe that there are gamers out there that, actively choose to be the dick and actively choose to go on to, towards the dark side or whatever. It, it's right. all just sort of based on the experience that you're looking for every time you pick up that controller or sit down at your computer. But that being said, I think I'm so glad you told that story because it really did kind of help us stumble upon our answer and I, I would be interested to hear about other people's experience in playing that scene. Because,
0: yeah, like true. I said,
1: you and I left, it, left the game as a whole with two completely different experiences.
0: Right. And, and it's weird because I, I, I've... Wow, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> I have played through other games... Where where I have gone the dick route the whole time. I've gone the bad guy the whole time. Um, especially like the Fable series. The early Fables were really good about it. Um, where you actually saw changes in the character and stuff like that. And it was awesome because I would go... But I don't know if I did those choices... If I made those wrong choices because I wanted to have this big, cool-looking... Dude that was wearing like the dark armor with the big sword and had the dark magic or if I did it just because I wanted to have fun playing the bad guy for once and I guess that's what it gets down to is is You know in your life. I as an optimist. I think people Tend to try to do the right thing and I know that's not true across the board, but I'm an optimist. so I live by that Um, but in a game As somebody who always tries to look at the lighter side of things and tries to live, you know, a a lighter, more fun life, I I do notice that as much as I as much as I love The Witcher and the fact that you're walking this this line. Geralt isn't necessarily my favorite character. But but I enjoyed that experience because I never felt forced to be that guy. I just felt like that's who I was. That's that's who that character was in the game. Um, But given the choice, I generally go with the good guy. And it may just be because of who I am as an optimist, I go with the optimistic, happy, friends with everybody type of choices as opposed to – I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are optimists that go the other way. But I'd be interested to see – and maybe we can look this up and, and do a follow-up on this um, to see if we can find any studies specifically about the choices people make in choice-based games. Um you know, if they're a little bit less of an optimist or if they tend to be angrier, if they make more of the, the the bad choice or the the dark side choice as opposed to the light side choice. I'd be or if they tend to go with the light side choice and more of the optimists go with the dark side choice. I'd be curious to see how it actually plays out in games. Like, I
1: think it really depends on the game itself though, because oftentimes you're rewarded for theoretically good behavior you know you decide to do this quest or like side quest favor what have you for this other character and in doing so you win their allegiance and then in the boss battle in the end they're there fighting by your side and if you hadn't done that then you wouldn't have that ally so i think it really just depends on game mechanics because they're i'm certain there are games out there that you reject one alliance or, and then you do something shitty and it like in skyrim if you join like, the thieves guild and then you can join the uh brotherhood of darkness or whatever that the dark brotherhood yeah um which obviously i did i did both of those things i <laughs> did that too <laughs> and and you're rewarded in a different way for those choices. And you have different allies for making those choices, but essentially you're a glorified assassin. And is that a is that right. a morally positive thing? Probably not. But it's Skyrim. It's a lawless swamp town. So So you can do whatever you want. And then isn't there one more like the mockingbird or nightingales or something like that?
0: I'm there's, pretty yeah, sure yeah. there's uh,
1: obviously also chilling that's what
0: <laughs> Uh. Yeah. I I don't know I mean yeah Skyrim handled it well because you never felt like you were punished for going one path as opposed to the other and the same thing Rockstar generally does really well with that like Red Dead Redemption which I, I kind of mentioned felt the same way like as John Marston I never felt like even though I wasn't a good guy he was an outlaw that was looking for redemption that's the name he made morally questionable choices, but I never felt like I was forced into doing the bad guy thing. If there was something that I was not, that I didn't want my version of John Marsden to do, I can't remember a time in the game that I was forced to do it. And I I was given that option to just skip through that. And maybe I missed out on some, some cool cutscenes and story and stuff, but it stuck with, the character that i was playing the, the the version of john marston that i was playing in the game and uh, maybe that's a trick maybe maybe most games you are the good guy because that's what people want to be whenever they do their escapism but i i think giving the option should be there and, and i i don't know i, I I I don't want to hound too much. I don't want to go too much farther onto the Grand Theft Auto thing. But I'm wondering how many people would have done the torture scene if they were given the option not to do it at all. Um, So, I mean, I I guess you kind of had to force the hand to make that piece of the story work. But I'm wondering if people would be like, yeah, I'm going to try this out and see what it's like. You know, for me, I would have been like, no, I'm cool. I'm, I'm walking away from this. That's a big no for me. Um,
1: and personally so I, I i would have I would have been the player that would have been like yeah I guess I'll try it because like I feel like that was a very important storyline that you needed to play through to like understand the characters Right. but again see this is a perfect example of people get different things out of gaming and out of the same story you and I took away two completely different points of view
0: Man, did we find the story this I week? I
1: think we totally did.
0: Have, have we solved the podcast? I, well,
1: see, I think that <laughs> left it a little more open ended, but we definitely addressed the idea of this podcast head on. Which, and it was totally by accident. That's so awesome. Yeah, you're like, let me let yeah, me tell the story real quick, <laughs> and it was so perfect.
0: At the beginning. We straight up said we had no idea where we we're going with it or what we were going to do. I mean, we were like, let's just kind of get going and see where it takes us. And there we go. Trevor saved the podcast. Maybe that's what we call it. This <laughs> one. In search of the story, yeah. Trevor saved the podcast. Tre-
1: Trevor. Um, <laughs> Trevor. Trevor's <laughs> redemption.
0: <laughs> yeah. Tre- yeah. Red Trevor redemption. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's 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 interesting to look at that, and and then you get into stuff like Geralt, and you get into Mass Effect and Dragon Age and stuff where you do have a lot more choices, but but none of them are as heavy hitting. I think the thing with that is that was a pretty heavy thing, and most of the time, like if you know, and and Dragon Age, whenever you're the dick, instead of saying sure I'll come help, you'll be like. Uh, no, you're helping me. Like, that's your bad guy. You know, I'm not helping you. You're helping me. That's like, you never really like, see that kid. I'm going to go cut him. You know, you never get to be that bad. And, uh, so, so I mean, I think, I think the Witcher did it perfect. I think of all the games that I've ever played, the Witcher did that gray line perfectly where, I do really, really like Geralt as a character, and I love The Witcher as a game. And whenever they announced Geralt for Soul Calibur as a guest character, I, I ran around the house. I was freaking out, I was like, "Wow, oh, man, I'm going to tear people up as Geralt!" And you know, he was he was saying his lines. He was like, "Well, you know. see,
1: the, uh, here's another perfect example." I also, I also love The Witcher. I love, I love Geralt, but I thought his character fell really flat for me i thought a lot of his lines came off as really cheesy and really corny and i was so confused by him looking old but he's actually not old but wait he is really old but he still has this like hot young body like i i was just (laughs) so confused by who this who i'm supposed to understand this character as because pers- personally, my first exposure to the Witcher series was The Witcher Three, and right. maybe that I did myself a disservice by not knowing him from the earlier installments. But his character just felt completely—it uh, it was so non-committal. Like, it, it came, it rang very false to me, and on top of all that, some of the writing I, I didn't think was very convincing. It I I haven't been able to revisit the game. Uh here's a perfect perfect uh comparison to your experience with Grand Theft Auto V. After I played the storyline with the Bard oh not Dandelion. Uh-huh. Uh with uh the the dwarf whose name was Doodoo <laughs> I was like I I have no further interest in this game.
0: <laughs> I, I get that. Yeah. I can just that. hearing
1: him in his deep voice like this, I'm looking for doo doo. It was just so <laughs> stupid. I was like, okay, I I will forego the naked women and the fun riding around in the beautiful wilderness for. Like, I, I can't.
0: I, there was. I think something about about the Witcher that really caught me, and I played the first two Witchers as much as I could, and and they showed promise of one day being a great game, and the first one was extremely difficult to play. Um, but I got a little bit of the early Geralt, and then in Witcher 2 I played it a little bit more because it was a slightly better game. I got some more of him. And then in 3, it felt very much like... um uh, it felt like he was in this world and he was just like fuck it. I'm going to take whatever comes at me and I'm just going to react and move forward. And that's kind of he never had big reactions to anything cuz to me Geralt was always that guy that's like oh, here we go. All right, let's do this. You know, He's I've been tired. He's ready to retire. Yeah, and that's what he came it came across as that for me. Like this is this is the thing I got to do. And it almost came across like an annoyance to him. Like he never felt it almost felt anime like 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 the the not not the uh the anime that that our big anime fans are into, but like Bleach and Naruto and stuff where it's almost like wrestling type anime where Oh man, you know, uh, Ichigo just got stabbed eight times in the back, but because now he wants to save the girl, he's going to get up and he's going to be stronger than ever he was before. And he's ready to go now. You know, it was, it was that type of, that type of feeling that you knew that Garal was going to be more powerful than anything he faced even if he had to dig a little bit deeper in to get into it. And that's why he just always had this kind of, you know, sure, there's giant dragons flying overhead. It's cool. I got my swords. And, and I think that's what I liked about his character is he never showed, he was very indifferent to what was going on around him. And he just had one thing and and there were some moments where he got pissed off or showed emotion, but for the most part, he was so confident in his abilities and, he was such a badass that he was indifferent to any danger that happened around him which is very unlike what most characters do in games so
1: yeah i think indifferent is a really good word to use in describing the way that i interpreted that character and maybe maybe that's why like he was supposed to be he was supposed to act that way and just because i didn't know the character more Maybe that was
0: why I had such a hard time. Yeah, it, it, it maybe that. I mean, it's the way I looked at Geralt was the same way that I would look at uh, like Yoda. Like Yoda what? could be walking down the street of of anywhere in the. It, he could be surrounded by Sith, and he'd just be like. Uh. If they want to start a fight, I'll start a fight with them. If not, I'm going to keep on going on my merry way. Like Yoda was just so powerful in his in in the Star Wars series, especially later on, that nothing bothered him. Like he didn't like you're going to start a fight, he'll fight. If you're not going to start a fight, he's going to move along. And Geralt had that same feeling. Like I'll fight you if you want, but it's not going to end up well for you, so let's just move on. And and that was that indifference and Yoda, I'm not saying Yoda was indifferent cuz Yoda was definitely much more involved in what was going on, but I got that same feeling from him. Like if I have to fight I'll fight, but you you probably don't want to start something with me. And and that's probably why I liked Geralt so much cuz he just felt like he was always ready for anything, but it wasn't what he wanted to do. And uh I really I think I really identified with that idea like I'll beat your ass, but I prefer to just sit and drink, you know, uh,
1: to each their own. But I, I, I see where you're coming from.
0: Yeah. So, so maybe that's the whole point is, is that there's not going to be, maybe this podcast isn't about why don't they give us good or bad choices more often. It's, they give us so many characters that we identify with them in different ways you know i i can't play as trevor and i love Geralt, and you think trevor's awesome and Geralt's just a dude to you you know we yeah we identify for different reasons and maybe that's the whole point and maybe the choice isn't as important as the story of of actually giving us the character and letting us identify with them or not because you know, I've I met many many people who love Red Dead, but didn't think you know they're glad John isn't going to be in the new one, as far as we can tell, um, because they didn't care about John, like they didn't think he was the driving character behind it. They just like being in a cool Western. And for me, I loved John Marston in Red Dead. So, you know, maybe that's the thing. Is just you have to find the characters that you like, and and as. And really, I guess it's just storytelling is advancing and getting more complex. And as that happens, then there's more characters for us to identify with and more characters for us to dislike. Because it's it's not like the old school where, sorry, Mario, the prince is in a different castle type of story. You know, that's as deep as it mm-hmm. got. Now it's it's a much we're getting more games that have a complicated story and complicated characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so maybe that's what it is. I think so. I think I think our search for the story has been found oh. or completed.
1: <laughs> Quest completed. <laughs> we
0: we level up on how many on XP one, do finally. we get from this? Yeah, we get, you get 3. <laughs> what? <laughs> No. I, we both get three. We're in the same group. Oh, okay. So it's, uh, you know, this is episode three. Oh,
1: so I like it. Yeah. Okay. Go. Okay. Yep,
0: <laughs> so that's enough to, to level up to episode four next level week, up. which, which we don't know what we're going to be talking about yet. So you'll have to tune in and, and make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening so you can make sure you catch it. So yeah, I. I guess maybe we kind of hit it this time. Maybe we nailed it on the head as characters are getting more complex and we're not so concerned about f- having choice as We just want to find those characters we identify with now. And having choice would be great, but maybe that's a whole other thing for another episode mm-hmm. of getting into to how much choice should affect a game. Mm-hmm. So... There we go. I mean, I spoke my piece and I think I spoke way too long about some of it, but you know, it's, I, I think that was, I was thinking like, wow, <laughs> I don't know what tongue that was spoken in. <laughs> I I think that that kind of hit, you know, going, going that long about that kind of got us to, to where we realized that ultimately it comes down to how we relate to characters. Yeah,
1: Totally. I'm uh, I I I'm on the the train of complex characters yield more opportunities for players to bond with them for different reasons. Like, I don't, I I don't identify with Trevor, but I liked him the best, you know. Right. So,
0: and and I identified with Michael the most. Like, he's he's the one that I actually not no I didn't identify with him. I liked him the most because there were things in his life that that I could relate to, to an extent. Not that I've ever robbed a bank or shot anybody or anything. But, you know, the the way that he was dealing with what he's done in his life and trying to figure out what he was supposed to do, even though he was older. I liked him for that. I liked that they put an older guy in there that still hadn't figured it out. Um, And so I liked Michael a lot for that reason. He was a cool character. Want to thank everybody for listening. Um, if you haven't been listening to Gaming Historia, check that out as well. Um, we're now GamingHistoria.com. That's where you're going to find all of our different podcasts. Uh, Chloe and Chris will be back soonish. We're playing Kirby right now. Uh, Gaming Historia, we just covered some, some good episodes uh, over the last few weeks. Um, and then in Search of the Story, check out all three of them because all three of them have been. Very unique takes, and and I think the show's evolving into what we really want it to be. So make sure you subscribe on Apple or Google for now, and pretty soon we'll get it up on Stitcher. I'm working on getting it on SoundCloud as soon as I get a little bit more free time, and we'll have everything uploaded on SoundCloud. Um, and just subscribe wherever you listen, or or get on uh, gaminghistoria.com, click on podcast, and you'll have all our podcasts right there that you can listen to through the website as well. Um, and then follow us at GamingHistoria, or I'm sorry, Gaming underscore Historia on Twitter. Um, and contact us at contact at uh, GamingHistoria.com. And let us know, give us some feedback on, on what you guys think about the, the Trevor torture and um, the gray area and Geralt. Was he a indifferent character or was he a, you know, what? give us some feedback. We want to see what you guys think as well um and that's that's it for me olivia close out the show
1: yeah thank you for listening i uh we definitely would love any any comments or thoughts uh because it's just it's just me and chris so so we, we would love some some of your thoughts as well uh because it 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 helps us find that story so thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time We'll listen to you next time. You'll hear us next time.
0: <laughs> You'll listen to us. You next will
1: time. listen to us next time. I hope.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was my dick. Choice.
1: <laughs> yes, that was that was good versus evil right there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah.